This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by the Female Startup Club, hosted by Dune Roisin and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you're looking for a new podcast, the Female Startup Club shares tips, tactics, and strategies from the world's most successful female founders, entrepreneurs, and women in business to inspire you to take action and get what you want out of your career. One of my favorite episodes, Who Should Be Your First Hire? What's Your Funding Plan? Dr. Lisa Creven shares her top advice from building Spotlight Oral. Listen to the Female Startup Club wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Paul Ratzer. He's the founder and CEO of Marketing AI Institute, founder of PR 2020, HubSpot's first partner agency. HubSpot's the sponsor of this show, as many of you know. He's also the author of The Marketing Performance Blueprint, The Marketing Agency Blueprint, and creator of the Marketing AI Conference Macon. So guess what? We're going to talk about AI, but he's also got a new book coming out, co-author of Marketing Artificial intelligence, AI, marketing, and the future of business. So, Paul, welcome back. It's so good to be back together, John. It's good to see you. So, so we've been, we were laughing before we started the show, we've been talking about AI now maybe for five or seven years, but I still think there's a lot of, like, what is that? You know, is that Hollywood? Is that, is that sci-fi? You know, how do you, when somebody just asks you, what is AI? Is there a simple answer? The definition I always give is the science of making machines smart. And it actually comes from Demis Asabas, who's the co-founder and CEO of Google DeepMind. Mm. And what I love about the simplicity of the definition is the software we use every day as marketers, as consumers, the hardware we use, the phones, like your iPhone, they're incapable of doing things on their own unless they're told how to do them. So machines being software and hardware, with AI, those machines get human-like abilities to understand language, to generate language, to see you know, with computer vision. And so that's really what they're doing. And they're able to learn from data and get smarter on their own. And so we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about some use cases, some examples. Yeah. But that's the key is rather than just software that's all human rules-based, AI enables vendors to build software that learns and evolves and makes predictions and recommendations to you to augment what you're capable of as a marketer. So let's start with the dystopian view sure. <laughs> uh, of, of, you know, which I'm sure you hear all the time, right? That, you know, it's taking over, there's no thinking, there's no feeling, you know, like, you know, content marketers are, you know, like, yeah, I just put in a couple of keywords and boom, I've got great content. You know, I don't have to hire anybody anymore. Uh, it, where does that view intersect with reality? AI is not that smart. So... I think the key is there's definitely this nature. One, you think it's abstract and it's, it is just the sci-fi thing. You're not actually using it. Two is it can seem overwhelming and highly technical. The reality is that AI isn't that advanced today. What, what happens is it's trained to do these very specific tasks at, at a very high level. And it's normally applied to things that are repetitive and data-driven for us as marketers, things that we don't want to have to do a bunch of times anyway. Yeah. So you kind of look at these things in your daily life where it's repetitive, there's a defined process for it. That's a lot of times where AI is being applied. It's augmenting what you do. It's intelligently automating pieces of it. It is not taking your job away. It's not replacing you as a writer. 
it's just there to be an, it's easy to think of it as an assistant. And so that's in the book, we go into like these different levels of intelligent automation and we're not going from zero to fully autonomous. We're just trying to get that little bit of yeah. support from the machine. Yeah. And I think some people can make a case for it actually frees you to do the creative work. And I think the argument probably 25 years ago when robots came around was, oh, it's taking, you know, these people's jobs, but like, do you really want to put that bolt in 3 million times, <laughs> you know, over the next two weeks? Is that a really satisfying job? Right. So that's a lot of what you're saying is it takes the repetitive stuff out. And and so clearly if, if you're counting on having a job that is based on repetition, I mean, you're probably, you probably are looking about at being replaced, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, the way I explain it is if your job is simply to A-B test landing pages, that is fundamentally all you do 40 hours a week, then yes, it will replace you. Like you, yeah. that is not going to be something humans need to do. If you are looking at data and trying to figure out audience targeting for media buying, AI is really good at that. It's really good yeah. at finding patterns and like being able to predict, you know, behaviors and outcomes. So it's just tasks. But if your entire being is doing those repetitive tasks, then yes, it would be a good yeah. time to start looking for other areas where there's uniquely human traits needed, like yeah. strategy, creativity, empathy, like those relationship building. Those are machines not doing those things really. Yeah. So, so how, how are you talking to marketers specifically about the impact of this in their jobs? We, you kind of almost touched on it right there a yeah. little bit, but how are you, you know, how does it really, how will it uh, impact the marketing profession? So at a high level, we talk about this intelligent automation, we're under the working assumption that within three to five years, at least 80% of what marketers do will be intelligently automated to some degree, meaning tools, software you're using is going to have AI in them, but that's not unlike your consumer life. So you don't think about AI all, the, all day long, but every time you use Netflix and it's recommending shows and movies, sure. Spotify sure. learns you know, your music and predicts shows. Google Maps routing you from A to B in the in the fastest way. Anytime you talk to a, a virtual assistant like a Google or Siri, all of that is AI. And so your life is made more convenient, more personalized by AI. And that's what's going to happen in business, whether you're in advertising or email or communications or SEO. AI is going to be infused into the software and make it smarter. And in many cases, you're not even going to notice it or even care. Yeah. But we're not there yet. And so what we tell marketers is you can get there now, though. You can go find smarter tools to do what you do. It's not about buying AI. It's about buying smarter tech. You already buy this tech. Yeah. Find tools that are getting better and making you better at your job. Yeah, and I think one of the, well, let me back up a little bit because you alluded to a point I was going to ask about is I think the AI has been with us a lot longer than people realize. And yeah. it's in everyday stuff that we, you know, we don't realize. I, I wrote my last book exclusively in uh, Google uh, Docs. And somewhere along two, three years ago, you know, they started adding AI to Google Docs to where it's actually, I could start writing a sentence and go, oh, I wasn't going to say that, but that's pretty good. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it would actually, you know, and I don't know if it's purely learning one-to-one -one with me or if it's just saying, ah, oh, people commonly finish sentences with this word that start that way. So, so talk a little bit about some of the really everyday uses. You started talking a little bit about them, but go into some examples of everyday uses that people are experiencing AI and, and maybe don't know it. 
Yeah, so the, we talk at a high level categorically, and there's a, I think it's chapter two of the book is, is broken into language, vision, and prediction. And so it talks like these parent categories of different applications of AI. So language in particular is of interest to all marketers. Right. And that is mainly around the understanding and generation of language. And so that's like what you're talking about. Grammarly is a great example of AI embedded within a tool that many people use every day. Um, so Zoom is another, like they use otter.ai to transcribe audio. Right, so speech right. to text, touch text to speech is another one. Language generation with any, whether it's video or audio or written. So like there are all these tools out there like copy.ai and Jasper and HyperWrite. And, you know, you hear all these names, you probably see the ads for them. And what they're doing is using a, a tool called GPT-3 or an underlying platform called GPT-3, which is made by OpenAI. And that is a language generation. It's using what's called a large language model to generate language in all these different disciplines. And so you can go in and give it a sample website and say, okay, write me ad copy or write me social media shares based on this. And it's doing it. Now you're not going to grab it and hit publish, but as a social media pro or an ad person or a blog post writer, you're going to take these almost as drafts and improve on them and then publish them. And so I think, again, anywhere where you write, you're seeing it all over and that's going to continue to become a part of your life. And then again, you just go discipline by discipline, whether again, your communications, SEO, and just find ways where there's repetitive processes, predictions being made or language being read or generated. Hey, e-commerce brands. Did you know there's an automated marketing platform that's 100% designed for your online business? It's called Drip. And it's got all the data insights, segmentation savvy, and email and SMS marketing tools you need to connect with customers on a human level. Make boatloads of sales and grow with gusto. Try Drip for 14 days, no credit card required, and start turning emails into earnings and SMS sends into cha-chings. Try Drip free for 14 days. Just go to go.drip.com slash duct tape marketing pod that's go.drip.com slash duct tape marketing pod so if somebody came to you and said yeah we're an agency digital agency and we know about ai but we haven't really been aggressively or intentionally trying to bring it to our clients where would you say well here's the starting point here are the five things that every digital agency should be diving into that it's going to give them ai or it's at least going to give them some advantages using ai yeah, so there's two ways we teach it. It's called piloting AI. Is the, there's a chapter dedicated to this too. What I tell people is take a spreadsheet, make a list of all the activities, the tasks that you do individually or as a team each week, each month. Make a column that says how many hours a month you spend doing it, uh, what software you use for it, and how much that software costs per month. So you're basically getting a cost structure for each activity. And then just apply a simple rating that says, well, how valuable would it be to intelligently automate this task? And so let's say you're a content strategist and you spend 10 hours a month on the editorial calendar, figuring out what to write, looking at past posts, trying to predict what work, what you should republish, what you should create new. Then that might be an area where you could say, wow, if AI could help me do this and cut it 80% of the time spent on it and be better at predicting what's going to work, that would be huge for me as a content strategist. There you go. AI for content strategy. Go Google it, find three tools that do it, go demo those tools. So what I always tell people is start where you're already spending time, where you can make a business case for the value it could create for you. And you're going to know real quickly whether it's working or not. Because at the end of the day, AI is just designed to make you better at your job and make it cost less 
to do the job. And if it's not doing that and improving performance, then it's a waste of time. Yeah, I think that's a really great point too, because I think a lot of people look at this and say, oh, we can do new things and maybe start by <laughs> by just getting efficiencies. I mean, yes. you could probably generate a tremendous amount of profit <laughs> to the bottom line by just get, I mean, everybody knows that, by getting more efficient. So if you looked at these as efficiency tools alone, that would be a great start, wouldn't it? Yeah. And I know of companies that have, I have friends whose jobs and companies is to try and reduce the need for 15 new headcount down to five. Yeah. Yeah. And they're basically just looking at not they're not their job isn't to fire people, but it is to say, as we scale, how do we do it without having to hire more? And so they're looking at inefficiencies in work productivity and they're finding things that AI can do to at least some degree without the need for human involvement or minimal human involvement. Who are some companies that you think are doing this really well? I mean, that are maybe kind of ahead of the curve in and it might just be in their own operations or in their own marketing. Yeah, most of those big enterprises, they don't talk about it much, but when you look at retail, e-commerce are huge ones. Just go to the top 10 e-commerce companies, top 10 retailers, um, CPG, financial services, those are healthcare. What you look for is companies and industries that have a lot of data and a, and a huge need for personalization. And there's a really good chance they've been doing this stuff for five to 10 years, not, if not in marketing and sales and service across other areas of the company. But I mean, just like Mike, my co-author just put one on LinkedIn last week about like 15 retailers that are doing awesome things with AI. And it was the obvious ones, Walmart, Starbucks, McDonald's bought, bought AI companies. Like they're buying AI companies. They bought one to customize the drive-through screen for you based on the weather data and based on behavioral data of like what people are ordering that day. So it actually tailors what you're seeing. So, I mean, it's just retail is a huge one that, yeah, there's just tons of them. So that's why that pumpkin spice shows up that day, huh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> if it's in the middle of the summer, yes, because otherwise it just shows up in the winter. But yeah, that, yeah. So, so taking this back to non-enterprise yeah. <laughs> level companies, uh, which a great deal of our listeners are, what's the what's been the stumbling block? What's been the hard part, you know, of doing this? So we asked that question in our state of the industry survey we did with Drift, like what are the obstacles to adoption? Number one, far and away, was 70% of people said lack of education and training. They just didn't know where to go to get the information. And then in the 40 percentiles, you had like lack of awareness, lack of team, right. like talent, lack of strategy, lack of vision. My base assumption is the vast majority of marketers still have no idea what it is. So they can't explain it to you. They, If like, let's say you're at a, a you know, a 30 person agency and you listen to this and you're like, that's kind of cool. And you're going to walk into the CEO's office and say, I think we should start doing more AI. And the CEO says, why? And you're going to say, I don't know. It, just, it sounds like it's really cool. Like <laughs> Everybody else is. <laughs> yeah. If they grill you and say, well, what would be the business case for it? What exactly yeah. is it? Like most marketers can't give a basic definition and they don't know the main use cases for it. So I think yeah. it, it is just a lack of understanding across the industry that's slowing adoption rates down. You know, I loved one of the filters I think that you used for this, you know, when a lot of new uh, social media platforms would come around and, you know, clients would be saying, should we be doing that? You know, should we get on Twitter you know, circa 2007 right. or something like that? Um, and, and I always did use the filter. Uh, would this help you serve your existing clients better? You know, yeah. if you make a case for that, then go all in and we'll get crazy with it. But, and I think that's probably a great starting place for looking at AI, isn't it? Yeah, no doubt. I actually published something recently that wasn't in the book and it sort of came to me uh, a little later on. But the, what I think is going to end up happening is, and again, keep in mind, I owned an agency for 16 years before I sold right. it. So I, I live in the agency world and we work with lots of companies, so SMBs all the way up to, you know, Fortune 500 companies. Um, 
I think in the not too distant future, there's three types of organizations. There's AI native, so they don't exist without AI. They're in an industry and they find a mm. smarter way to do that industry, do the products and services in that industry, and they build from day one as an AI company. Then there's AI emergent. Those are companies that exist today that look to the future and say, wow, there's smarter ways to do product and services, marketing, sales, and then there's obsolete. And, and I don't think there's anything in between. Huh. So the way I look at it is AI is going to be so essential to the operations of every business and so intertwined into the marketing, sales, and customer service that if you don't find ways to adapt and evolve, someone else is going to build a smarter version of, of your business that is way yeah. more efficient than you are without AI. And over time, I'm not saying like three years from now, we're all done. Like if you don't evolve, I'm saying, but over the next decade, like it's going, you're just going to become less and less relevant if you don't find a way to become more efficient at what you do and deliver better results. Yeah, and I think some of that's very consumer driven too. You know, one of the things people always point to is Amazon changed the game because consumers got used to the yeah. way, what they got to experience there and everybody else had to up their game or you know, get left behind. And, you know, what ways are you seeing consumer behavior change because whether they know it or not, <laughs> they're being served this way? Yeah, I think the key for me is as consumers of consumer products, but also in our B2B world, you come to expect convenience and personalization. Like right. if I'm, let's say I'm shopping for new social media management software and I'm the entrepreneur of a five-person company or a 20-person agent, whatever it is, there's a good chance I'm not doing that at 10 a.m. on a Thursday. There's a much better chance I'm doing it at 10 p.m. on a Friday after my kids go to bed and I finally have a minute to look at that thing that's not critical to my business but is important to the future. So if I'm on a website for social media management software and it's like call us between Monday and Friday from 9 to 5 and there's no intelligent chatbot there that actually helps me get what I'm looking for or understands that I've been on the site previously and kind of can predict my behavior and my intent. Like I want personalization and convenience in my shopping experience, whether I'm on Amazon or I'm on some social media management software site. And so I think as consumers, we just come to expect convenience and personalization. And there is no way to do personalization at scale without AI in the future. Like I've heard software CEOs talk about personalization as though AI or as though it can happen without AI. It can't. <laughs> like, we're not that good as humans writing rules that apply to thousands of people. Right, 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 right. So, so let's talk about the relationship between AI and your data, because I think that's what you're really, in a lot of ways, where, where people are starting to personalize without AI is because I know customer X has bought this product and I can cookie him or her. And so then I can serve a more relevant personal experience perhaps, or relevant email newsletter perhaps. But where does, where do you see AI then, you know, must be applied? You know, if we can use these JavaScripts and we can use our own data, you know, where does AI come into play with that scenario? Yeah. So data is the foundation of AI. It's what it gives it its predictive abilities. Cause at, at, in almost every case, AI is just making predictions about behaviors and outcomes. That's what machine learning is. So you hear machine learning thrown around is like yeah. synonymous with AI sometimes. It's a subset of AI, but machine learning is all about the machine learning from data to improve its predictions and actions. And so that's what the data does is it gives you the ability to actually build these predictive models about yeah. customer retention, customer growth, churn rates, lead scoring to predict who's likely to be a new customer, who's yeah. going to open emails, who's going to click on emails. It's all predictions. 
And so data is at the foundation of that. Now you can be a small business. You don't have to have you know, hundreds of thousands of records because what you can do is benefit from anonymized data. So if you're a HubSpot customer, they have 150,000 customers, however many they have, they can anonymize all that data targeted like, okay, this is a lump of cohorts that's in this specific industry or this specific size company. And they can anonymize that data to improve your predictive ability. Now, I'm not saying they're doing that, but that's what's happening. MailChimp is a good example, hundreds of millions of records. They can use all that anonymized data to predict when you should send your emails, who you should send them to, subject lines you should use, things like that. Yeah. So let's, let's end by talking a little bit about future careers. If you were talking and you probably get asked to, to a group of college students that were in marketing, uh, what would you be? I know when I talk to them, I, I tell them, look, forget all the stuff you've been learning. This is what you actually should be focusing on. You know, what do you, what would you tell uh, a group of folks that are just now getting into marketing where they should be putting their attention? One, I think it's an incredible time to come into the profession because <clears throat> as you said, so much of what got the rest of us where we are is going to evolve in the near future. Yeah. And so the ideas to to, to, to drive digital transformation, to evolve an organization, to, to do smarter marketing that saves time and money and produces better outputs, it can come from the interns because a lot of executives don't understand this stuff. And they're maybe even a bit intimidated by it because they don't understand. They think it's going to be really hard to learn. So they just kind of avoid learning it, keep putting it off. Yeah. So I think that the people who take the initiative to go learn it and don't go and try and sell AI and machine learning. Like you, if you walk into the CMO's office as an intern and say, I think we're going to we do some machine learning. We could cut 100 hours a month of productivity. And we're like, get out of my office. Like, I don't <laughs> But if you go in and say, hey, listen, I analyzed our email marketing activities and we spent 100 hours last month doing these five things. I think there's a way to shave 50% of the time off and actually produce twice as much quality work. Now, oh, talk to me about that. What is that? Exactly. Okay, well, there's these two <laughs> tools I've been testing. And right. here's what they do. You don't ever even have to say AI. Yeah. Yeah. But you know to go find smarter tools to do the thing. And you identify opportunities to drive efficiency because you understand what it's capable of doing. All right. I lied. I'm not going to end yet. Tell me where, <laughs> tell me, tell me where, what are, you can either say, well, here are my favorite places to find AI tools or here are a handful of my favorite AI tools. Either one, either way you want to answer that. So in, in the book, there's 10 chapters in the middle that are piloting AI chapters, and it's AI for advertising, AI for communication. Each of those chapters is, follows the same pattern. It explains the opportunity with that category of marketing. It goes into tech, and then it goes into sample use cases, or vice versa, use cases and tech. So there's about 70 different vendors featured in the book that are a good starting point. On the Marketing AI Institute blog, we regularly publish lists of vendors across different categories and different things like we did 36 tools for AI co or for copywriting last week, that, that sort of stuff. So yeah. you just follow along the newsletter or, you know, grab a copy of the book. And the, the fun thing is that like everybody's copy of the book will be different, right? That would be awesome. <laughs> there, there are a lot of things we tried to do with AI to do the book, but personalized copies for everybody. <laughs> I don't think the publisher would have let me get away with no, that. No, no, that's a tough one. So uh, speaking of an industry that uh, maybe needs to come into the future, sorry. Uh, sorry if I'm not picking on your publisher. But My publisher is very open-minded. I actually love what they're <laughs> awesome. thinking. Of. We're doing some cool stuff with some synthetic voice potentially. We may actually do some stuff. Nice. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, tell people, you've mentioned a few things, but if you want to invite people where they could connect with you, and obviously the book will be available everywhere. 
Yeah, and so marketingiinstitute.com, you can get to the book site from there. There's going to be, uh, there's a couple of free downloads that actually the Piling AI workbook that we talked about of how to figure out what to start with, that's going to be a free download as part of the book. So you can go there and actually get that spreadsheet. And then there's a guide that has about 30 sample questions to ask AI vendors. So to help you assess them, it's, it's kind of a cool guide. So those will both be available there. So yeah, marketingiinstitute.com is best. And I'm really good on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. If you want to reach out to me personally, I'm I'm really responsive on both of those platforms. I am not a Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook guy. Oh, and if I'm missing wow. anything else, I don't really do those either too much. <laughs> Got to stay focused, right? Awesome, Paul. Well, it was great catching up with you. I appreciate you stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. Hopefully, we'll see you uh, soon one of these days out there on the road. Thanks so much, John. Hey, and one final thing before you go. You know how I talk about marketing strategy, strategy before tactics. Well, sometimes it can be hard to understand where you stand in that, what needs to be done with regard to creating a marketing strategy. So we created a free tool for you. It's called the Marketing Strategy Assessment. You can find it at marketingassessment.co, not .com, .co. Check out our free marketing assessment and learn where you are with your strategy today. That's just marketingassessment.co. I'd love to chat with you about the results that you get.